Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Thursday, January 19th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Chiefs-Jaguars playoff action will be here before you know it, and we had to get in our last words about the game. Beat writers Jesse Newell and Herbie Teopi broke it down on a show that started as a Sportsbeat Live, where we took questions and comments from our viewers. Now it's a podcast. See how that works? We focus in on the quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes and Trevor Lawrence, and important pieces like Chiefs defensive tackle Chris Jones and Jaguars wide receivers Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. Jesse also gets into why the Chiefs get more out of putting a man in motion than any other NFL team. Okay, let's get started. Hey, good morning from chilly and overcast Kansas City. Welcome to Sportsbeat Live, our weekly discussion about the Kansas City Chiefs with the folks in the media who know them best and with you. Send us your questions and comments and talk Chiefs playoff game with us. The Chiefs, of course, open the postseason on Saturday at Arrowhead Stadium against the Jacksonville Jaguars in a divisional round game. Kickoff is at 3.30 and games on, on NBC. Jesse Newell and Herbie Teope are with us. And before we talk about the... Uh, the game on Saturday, a little bit of news broke this morning with next year's schedule. Uh, we knew it was coming, and uh, just it was just a matter of time before the NFL announced it. Jesse, I think you ended up writing the story about it. Uh, what is uh, what is the news about the Chiefs' schedule for 2023? Yeah, as you said, Blair, Chiefs will play in Germany next year. This has been something a long time coming, a long time rumored, and the Chiefs have that partnership with Germany, uh, their fourth-round draft pick last year. Joshua Williams actually got announced by a, a soccer player, a famous soccer player in Germany, uh, live in Munich. So uh, this has been a long time coming, but officially the Chiefs will be playing there next year. They have nine home games, so this will be one of their home games. The third time they played in this in an international game, they also played uh, in London and also Mexico City, or 2-0 in those games. But uh, undetermined opponent yet so far. Don't know time, date, location. Just know it will be either in Frankfurt or Munich. But uh, like I said, this has been something the Chiefs have been working on for quite a while and something that's been rumored for quite a while. So officially, the Chiefs will be playing in Germany next year. If only we had a member of the Chiefs coverage team that has spent any time in Germany, um, that would be a great advantage to, oh, oh, wait a second, wait a second. Kirby, you, uh, you, you speak the language and uh, uh, how, how, how much are you looking forward to covering a Chiefs game in Germany? I'm going to tell you, you know, like when I was in the Army, I always told myself if I was going to retire overseas, it would be the Deutschland. What a wunderbar country. The Deutschland is just great. If you had the choice between München, not Munich, but, you know, if you're going to do it the proper way, if you had the choice between there or Frankfurt, you got to go Bavaria. You know, if I'm the Chiefs, I'm pushing like crazy to be in the Bavaria area because it's it's so beautiful down there. It's the, the Austrian border is a, a hop, scop, you know, just a skip away. You, you've got Neuschweinstein down there. Uh, that's where Walt Disney uh, patterned the castle <laughs> that, he, that you see at his at Disney World after that. You know, it's, it's just a beautiful country. The German people are great. And the beer, you gotta, you know, <laughs> you gotta celebrate. And if if the Chiefs are lucky, they'll be there in late September because Oktoberfest does not start in October; it starts in late September, and it's just it's glorious. Real oh, quick, wait, there's a game we have to cover too. So, 
Kirby, Bavaria is Munich or Frankfurt? You're leaving me out in the in the cold here. Which one is that? Frankfurt's more central Germany. Yeah, Munich is over in Bavaria. I mean, it's just just the Austrian border. You'll see all the mountains. It's just it's phenomenal. I love Germany. Yeah. Well, the hills will be alive with the sound of uh, music when the Chiefs uh, head over there. So that that brings up another question. Um, we we don't know time, date, opponent, that sort of thing. Uh, but these, but the international games usually aren't in the first three or four weeks of the season, right, Herbie? They they wait until it seems like they wait until either late September or early Oct- or October to play these games. Yeah, that's that's absolutely correct. Um, you'll start off obviously in London, and if I'm not mistaken, the Buccaneer Seahawks game was late after the midpoint season. That's when they were in Germany. But you're, you're absolutely correct. Okay, and we don't know the opponent, but Chiefs have some pretty attractive home opponents next year. I don't think they would. Um, I don't think they would necessarily want to take a, a Bills, um, a Bengals. I think the Eagles come to Kansas City next year. Um, I, I don't think one of those games would go. A division opponent. You don't usually see a division opponent in, in those games. So who who would that leave? Um, anybody know off the top of their head? They, I think Lions. they play the NFC Lions. Bears are a good matchup. Bears are another one. And uh, the other part about this, yeah, November actually was when the Tampa Bay-Seattle game was this year in Germany, so mid-November. So there's some options there, but I think you're on the right track, Larry. And we're just speculating right now on who that other team could be. But if you take out the division foes, you take out these big games that should be played at Arrowhead, then you're left with a couple of those NFC opponents that are likely going to be in that slot. And, of course, they played the Lions in London back in, in 2015. So uh, – Okay, uh, like we were saying, uh, playoff game on Saturday. Uh, I guess that's good news for Trevor Lawrence, who has never lost a game on Saturday in his life, high school, college, and now uh, a third straight Saturday game for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence, of course, uh, Jags quarterback who led the comeback a week ago against the L.A. Chargers in the wild card game. But let's uh, let's focus on Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. So I did a quick uh, scramble here to to come up with uh, uh, to come up with uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, stats in first playoff games. Not all of them were divisional, right? Because they played in the wild card game a year ago. So Patrick Mahomes in in four as a starter, four playoff openers, his average three hundred fourteen and a half. Passing yards, he's thrown for 11 touchdowns, one interception. Obviously, the Chiefs have won all of those games. And except for the um, the Texans game uh, in in 20 for the 2019 season, where the Chiefs staged the wild comeback, uh, they've kind of jumped out ahead and uh, and were in control of those games. So, uh, Herbie, I know you got to leave pretty soon. So let me just ask you. Uh, did, is there an expectation that the Chiefs, you know, you you have used the bye week well and will come out uh, and and play on point in in this game, or do the Chiefs, you know, stumble around a little bit and they they kind of did that against the Steelers in the playoff game last year? Took them two or three possessions to get going, but once they got rolling, I think they scored on six straight. But um, how do you think the Chiefs come out in in on Saturday? 
Well, it, if they've watched the Jaguars over the past month and even the opening round of the playoffs, it better be the former scenario. You can't afford to stumble around against this Jaguars team. Blair, you covered it in the piece that you wrote yesterday, and I also touched on it in my keys to the game. They got to jump out and they got to put the foot on the pedal and just keep it there. The Jaguars have shown the knack of coming back. <laughs> and we're talking double-digit type leads. They did it in week 15 against the Cowboys, uh, overcame a deficit against the Titans to clinch the AFC South in the regular season final. And last week, overcoming that 27-0 uh, deficit against the Chargers, you cannot afford to stumble around against this team. This is not the same team that the Chiefs faced back in week 10. They're, they're dangerous now. They're confident and they're dangerous. Yeah, Jesse, they, um, they've they actually trailed. So the, the Jaguars ended the regular season on a five-game winning streak. Uh, in each of those games, they trailed at one point by at least nine. And I think they were down 17 to the Cowboys uh, in, in their comeback win there. And then, of course, as, as, as Herbie mentioned, the, the playoff victory down. You know, Trevor Lawrence was incredibly bad with four picks, and they're down 27 to nothing. And I, 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 we were all watching the game, and, and I, I remember looking at uh, or seeing Doug Peterson uh, interviewed at halftime. It, you know, it didn't seem like anything was wrong to him. That just, um, you know, just keep focus and you know said the things coaches said, but he had a great demeanor. Uh, and sure enough, Jacksonville just uh, just played the percentages, played really well. Um, the, the Chargers were. Uh, miserable in, in the second half, made some bad decisions. So uh, Jacksonville ends up winning that game when for, you know, for 58 minutes, we thought the Chiefs and the Chargers were going to meet for a third time this season. So long, long-winded way of asking you, uh, how do, how do both teams come out on, on, on Saturday? Um, Jacksonville going to be ready to play. Chiefs going to be a little, you know, they're going to play loose. What, how do you think this game opens up for the Chiefs? Yeah, I think the loose part is pretty important. Um, we've seen the Chiefs Arrowhead. It's been weird. I mean, it's this is kind of picking nits if you're talking about a 14-3 and three team. But if we were talking about just them playing at home and on the road, they probably played better on the road this year. And you add to it the playoff atmosphere. Listen, the tickets are still expensive and people are still excited to go. But you get down 7 nothing or 10 nothing. All of a sudden, you know, you experience this in Allen Fieldhouse some, you experience this at Arrowhead, you get that sort of nervous energy. NCAA tournament happens too. You kind of feel the air get sucked out of the building. It's hard to revive yourself and get your energy going back when you feel like that tightness that comes with it. So that's really probably the Chiefs, what they have to be concerned about most. I think the, the big part of this matchup is both teams have some advantages when it comes to the passing offense. And you want to talk about the teams that are left in the AFC. I, I don't think it's a coincidence right now that we talk about some of the best quarterbacks still available. Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Trevor Lawrence, obviously last game coming on and, and showing what he showed. So uh, the Jaguars have the pass offense to come back. And that's why the pass offense, I keep talking about it throughout the course of this year. It's the trump card in the NFL. If you have a good pass offense, you can overcome deficits, you can hold leads, you can do anything. That That's really the one thing in the NFL that kind of outweighs others. So uh, Herbie talked about keeping the foot on the pedal. I think for the Chiefs, it's important to do that on the offensive end because the Chiefs have the advantage on offense. Uh, Jaguars defense, uh, especially in the secondary, is not very good. They've been able to get some pressure with some pressure looks from their front four, but uh, Mahomes picked apart the, the secondary. I think 331 yards and four touchdowns in the first matchup against the Jaguars. So that's the sort of thing I think the Chiefs need to go in with the mindset of is 7 nothing, 14 nothing, 14 7, whatever. You know, however many points it is, you can't 
led up there because the Chiefs' advantage is scoring and Patrick Mahomes in the pass offense. And that shouldn't go away unless we saw, like the Chargers last week, you sort of ease up a little bit and start to play the time game. Chiefs shouldn't do that. This should be a game that should be uh, feature a lot of points, I think. And uh, the way that the Jaguars keep this one close is sort of what we talked about. They kind of play without, uh, with a free mind, with Doug Peterson going for it on fourth down, doing tricky things. You know, surprise things, gadget plays, as, as Steve Stagnolo, defensive coordinator, was talking about yesterday, they're expecting from them. And uh, having the right mindset as an underdog. Yeah, the underdog, you want to mix things up, and that's what Doug Peterson's going to do. So will it create some anxious, nervous energy around Arrowhead? It could, especially if the Chiefs don't play well early. I've seen that before. I've, I've seen, I've felt that from the fans before, that nervous energy. Mark says the Chiefs' offense has started slow most games this year. I think that needs to change the playoffs. I, I agree with you. I, I can't, you know, the, the scenario that, that I think about um, for the Chiefs in when when they're a heavy favorite, as they are this week, eight and a half points. Um, I, I think about the game at Denver uh, earlier this year with the Chiefs. Everything broke right. They went up 27 to nothing in that game, just as the, you know, the Chargers did to the Jaguars. And at that point, that game needs to finish 37 13, right? That's. You, you know, you, you, you obviously the, the opposing team's going to get their shots and, and but but you got to keep, you know, you got to keep the pedal to the metal, as Herbie said earlier. And of course, that game didn't finish that way. Right. The Chiefs were um, scrambling at the end to, to beat the those the Broncos that day in Denver uh, late in the regular season. If the Chiefs end up with that early lead, Jesse, as you suggest, I, I think you just you got to keep going. You just you absolutely have to keep going. One thing to mention, Blair, I've been doing some research on this this week, is um, let's be honest, the Raiders game, this past game the Chiefs played, was sort of like that as well, only the Chiefs did not allow points after that. And now we know Mahomes in that Denver game you're talking about, he had some interceptions, kind of let them back in it, but the Chiefs defense was pretty bad at the end of the first half and the beginning of the second half. But if you look into the personnel, the Chiefs played their 4-1-6 defense, which is something that almost no NFL teams do, play that particular dime defense but they put three cornerbacks on the field along with brian cook the safety and you really saw the chiefs have success with it i guess not last week but two weeks ago against jared stidham and the raiders so something to watch if they do get a lead is the chiefs will likely go to their dime package they'll know that jacksonville is going to come out there but not only is brian cook stepping up jalen watson stepping up that particular role when you take a willie gay off the field as one of the linebackers to put in another smaller guy but the Chiefs four-man pass rush, that's a big, big deal. They were getting after the quarterback with those four men and making it very difficult on Stidham to get the ball down the field in those settings. So something to watch in that game. If the Chiefs get a lead, I think earlier in the season they weren't as comfortable in that dime package, but we know throughout Steve Stagnola's career, that's six defensive back look. That's been one of his specialties. The Chiefs have been playing it better late rather than early, and so something to watch if they get a lead. That'll be a big part of keeping that lead is trying to play better when you know the Jaguars might be in a passing situation. And, and they're going to have to, Jesse, because the Jaguars, they do have weapons. You know, it's, it's not just Devontae Adams that the Chiefs are going to have to deal with. They're going to have to deal with Christian Kirk, who had 109 yards and two touchdowns against the Chiefs back in Week 10. And you have to deal with tight end Evan Ingram and wide receiver Zay Jones. Both of those guys, all three of them, scored a touchdown uh, last weekend against the Chargers. So the Chiefs are – you got some weapons here you're going to have to deal with. And so that type of defensive alignment – a dime package probably suits them well against this type of offense. Tell you what, though, Travis Etienne, uh, pretty pretty solid running back. I this guy, uh, uh, pretty. I just think he's very good and underrated as well. So, um, and hey, you mentioned Willie Gay, uh, Jesse Gay had a good game against the 
against the Chiefs in the regular season. Led the team in tackles, got one of his two and a half sacks this year. So it was a um, you know pretty solid effort for Willie Gay. Yeah, it was, and you know I don't want to. I don't want to not talk about the rest of the pieces for the Chiefs because when we when I talk about the dime package, that's really what the Chiefs played when they got up against the Raiders. So that's kind of more right, of a right. you know the other team is going to pass the ball. In their base setting, I do want to also talk about another player who's emerged lately and maybe one of the rookies that's gone a little bit overlooked has been Leo Chanel. Uh, he's played great run defense lately. And so that's when you're talking about the 4-3. You know, you put three linebackers in the game. You got Willie Gay, Nick Bolton, and then Leo Chanel in there. But he's been really impressive in the run game. We also can't overlook what the Chiefs have done in the run game with some of these guys that really weren't known for that before this season. I mean, we talk so much about Chris Jones's 15 half sacks. Well, you look at some of his defensive ratings, he's gotten a lot better against the run this year. Frank Clark has played, uh, you know, at least pro football focus wise, you look at his grade. He's played the best of any uh, run defense he's played uh, for the chiefs and, and honestly played the best he's played for the chiefs, even in those four seasons. Now what's different about those two guys is if you think about their reputations, uh, Chris Jones, amazing regular season, reputation no sacks in the postseason yet which is an amazing thing to even talk about considering his history and what he's done but frank clark we were talking about this on the radio yesterday on 810 uh fifth in nfl history and sacks in the postseason uh so it'll be it'll be interesting to track those two guys because frank clark's had a great year obviously had that uh injury at the end of the raiders game shouldn't impact him this week but uh those two guys you know jones has had again the dominant season he talked openly in this offseason about the, the Bengals game motivating him he missed Joe Burrow a couple of times. He felt like that could have won the games for the Chiefs last year in the AFC Championship game. And then Frank Clark, kind of a, a resurgence with the weight loss he had this offseason. So can those two guys come through in a big game for the Chiefs? Uh, that, that'll be something to watch, especially Chris Jones, because we know the pressure is on him to perform. Yeah, I'm writing a little bit about that, the the Chris Jones-Frank Clark comparison. It, it, it is fascinating. Um, Clark with 11 career playoff sacks, eight for the Chiefs. And uh, the NFL record, it's, it's, I don't know, it's like 18 or something. But if, if Frank Clark picks up one or two, he'll go into the top three and all time sack. Yeah, and they too, it's, it's crazy. Um, uh, but in, in defense of Chris Jones, um, he's had nine passes defended in his playoff career. And of course, his, you know, his play in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl victory over the 49ers was, uh, was pivotal. Uh, they don't. Chiefs don't win the game if if uh, if Chris Jones doesn't bat down a couple of passes in that in that moment. So he's had big moments. They just haven't come at sacks. And he will tell you that uh, he, he regrets uh, greatly the sacks he didn't get against Cincinnati in the AFC title game last year. Yeah, I mean he in OTAs. I remember he brought it up unprompted, just saying I could have gotten Joe Burrow, brought him down twice in the AFC Championship game. That would have changed the entire game. And so. That's kind of another side story to watch here, Blair. I mean, I talked about the Chiefs passing offense should be really good against Jacksonville. It was really good a few weeks ago at Arrowhead. It should be good this game. But how much of that, I mean, I remember talking on this on Sportsbeat Live after that game, the AFC Championship game, and saying, the if you would have listed a million reasons why the Chiefs lost against the Bengals after being up 21-3 in the AFC Championship game, Patrick Mahomes playing the worst half of his career would have been like bottom five for me and maybe last you know what i mean but that's what happened and we've just seen throughout this whole season i mean maybe what mahomes has done better this season than any other is sometimes for him it is in past years it's kind of been this you know certain games he's been amazing and they'll kind of drop down and he'll have bad games it's been this all year i mean the guy has just been good 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 great 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 good 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 great i mean it hasn't been a horrible performance and so you know i asked him this week uh just about 
his mindset going into this game and going into Arrowhead and trying to you know keep his emotions in check. But that's something to track too. I mean, I would not predict that the Chiefs passing offense gets sidetracked against Jacksonville. I wouldn't predict that Patrick Mahomes throws a couple interceptions or loses his mind or loses a fumble for the first time this year. But I wouldn't have predicted that last year in the AFC Championship game either. So uh, it is something to track to see how these guys will deal with the emotions of a playoff game. We know they've been waiting a whole year to get another crack at what they gave away against the Bengals. So um, that will be something to see. Again, the Chiefs have everything lined up for them offensively in this game. But how will Patrick Mahomes respond? And will he be that same sort of steady self he's been to get the Chiefs to 14-3? and Uh, That's something we'll be able to see on Saturday. Mark notes that the Jags will likely double or triple team Jones and Clark and the other D linemen need to take advantage. Absolutely uh, true, uh, Mark. That's um, that's been that's happened to Jones all season. He still he has still come up with 15 and a half sacks. And and Paul asks bigger concern: special teams or turnovers? That's a good question because uh, uh, the the Chiefs have had issues in both categories this year, more so than than in most years. Special teams, that is still a head-scratcher. I guess what it comes down to for me is there's so many new players on the special teams for Dave Tobe's group this year, and he's admitted this has been the worst season uh, that he's had with special teams, uh, with, the, with, with the Chiefs. You know, but, uh, Between the Sky Moore punt fumbles and allowing some returns and um, you know the, the coverage not being as, as tight as it, it, it has been, uh, it just – the, the, the bright spot, of course, has been Tommy Townsend's punting, but his holding um, for the you know extra points and field goals um, be, became controversial this year. And um, of course, you know Butker with the with the misses. So, what do you think, Jesse? Special teams or the, kind of the fear of turnovers? Chiefs are minus three in the turnover department against Jags in the regular season, one by ten. What are you thinking about? Yeah, I would say turnovers, but I think the special teams fear is turnovers, right? Like that's where they've given games away is if they've fumbled punts. And so, you know, we were out of practice yesterday and I mean, I have to tell you again, perfect conditions indoors, all those things. Harrison Bucker looked great. I mean, he was nailing everything, all the field goals. And so, uh, again, when we're talking about holds and being bad, that's happened two or three times this year uh, or three or four times, whatever the case may be, it was an issue. It seems like it's been addressed. Um, some of the other stuff you talk about, but you just hope it's not a big part of the game, but the chiefs are eight and a half point favorites. Typically turnovers are worth about five points each. So to make this an even type game, Jacksonville leads win the turnovers two to nothing. And I've talked about it. I mean, you can't really, can't really predict turnovers. I mean, some teams are a little bit more turnover prone than others, but a lot of things, things are just kind of fluke. You get hit in the wrong way. Um, a guy's in a certain spot makes an athletic play. Uh, sometimes a guy drops an interception that has nothing to do with you. So they are the flukiest part of the game, but they're kind of like three-pointers in basketball. They have a huge influence. And, and you put up the shot, but you don't know if it's going in or not. That's sort of how basketball plays out. Football, you you go into a game, you focus on turnovers, but you, you don't really know how that part of the game is going to play out. So I would say turnovers is the biggest concern. We've seen it pop up for the Chiefs, but the reason the Chiefs are eight-and-a-half-point favorites and the reason they're really good is that even if they have those turnovers, they can make up for them. And we saw that in the Jaguars game. We've seen that in other games this year, and it would – Help! It would help limit the head start the Chiefs have if the Jaguars get a turnover or two. It would not make up the entire difference, most likely, unless it was two or more turnovers. So that would help even up the game and make it closer. But there's a reason the Chiefs are still favoring the reason that uh, they are the heavy favorite to make the AFC Championship. Two things I think about uh, on that topic. The, the Jaguars opened the regular season game with an, by recovering an onside kick. Right. And then the, the, the Chiefs 
defense stood up and, and forced a punt. I think the Jags got one first down, but that was it. Um, so the surprise element that uh, they got their sideline all all juiced um, faded quickly, and there was a great credit to the Chiefs' defense in that moment. The other thing is um, maybe a little uh, snow, rain, wintry mix on Saturday, and you, you just don't know how that how, how that will impact the game. The Chiefs of Patrick Mahomes actually won his first playoff game in the snow uh, at home against the Colts at, uh, you know, back in it was the 2018 season. So I, I don't, I don't know how much of a factor that would play. One thing that would make me feel better about the chiefs in bad weather is uh, the running game has, has been pretty darn good for them over the, uh, over the last uh, several weeks of the season uh, with uh, Jarek McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco in particular. And speaking of Pacheco, Jesse, you uncovered a little nugget uh, about Chiefs starting running back, rookie Isaiah Pacheco. We talked about Trevor Lawrence never losing on a Saturday and Chris Jones never having a playoff sack. There's a there's a never in Isaiah Pacheco's uh, football history, isn't there? Yeah, he's really motivated because he's never won a postseason game in his career, his football career. In his life. In high school, <laughs> he was on one of those. It's sort of like he is sort of the ultimate underdog story because – his high school, his junior year when he made it to the playoffs, they had not made it since 2003. So uh, he helped end a big uh, big drought there. They lost uh, by two points in the playoffs there. Then his senior year went back, lost that game in the playoffs, and then he went to Rutgers. I mean, he's one of those local kids who decided to go to the, the local program, stuck with it. In his final year, Rutgers went 5-7, and seven, was a late replacement in the Gator Bowl for Texas A&M after they had COVID issues. But Pacheco was lined up to play in two all-star games before the NFL draft. So he sat out and opted out of it. So he is 0-2 in his career as a postseason football player and then did not play in college. So he has not played in a postseason, again, postseason game. We're talking about New Jersey high school. I mean, I'm sure it was a big deal at the time, but that's not the NFL playoffs. But uh, he last played in the game in 2017. So that is uh, sort of fascinating to think about. Uh, we think of most of these kids kind of coming up through the ranks and you're going to play at Alabama or Georgia or wherever, you know, you're going to play in some sort of postseason game, but that's not the case with Isaiah Pacheco. You mentioned him the first game. He had an interesting storyline too. He fumbled on the chief's first possession in the red zone. And he goes right back to him. He had a, a really good game after that 16 carries for 84 yards. I think it was in that particular game. So there could be the same type of openings in the run game that there was in the first game, but uh, yeah, Pacheco is going to be motivated. He's always been the Chiefs energy guy. He will be again on Saturday. All right, Jesse, I've been waiting. Uh, we, we didn't get to it uh, on our show earlier this week, so uh, and, and we didn't leave enough time to talk about it today. But you wrote a terrific story this week about uh, about the evolution of the Chiefs offense. And um, even with uh, the, some of the, most of the key characters like Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid, um, Eric Bieniemy, they've all been here throughout the, the entirety of uh, you know of the Mahomes era of the Chiefs. It continues to evolve, and um, and, and it continues to be productive. Um, the, the defenses haven't cracked the code, and it and it's because the Chiefs continue to to provide new wrinkles and just take us through the 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 the, the bullet points of what makes the the chiefs offense uh so successful year after year well yeah this the one subset of this that, that we talked about or i wrote about is using motion and a lot of teams use motion as what patrick Williams would call man's own id so if you have a receiver go in motion a defender follows him 
okay, that's probably going to be man coverage. If a defender doesn't follow him, it's probably going to be zone. So a lot of teams use that to try to get a tell on the defense, to try to figure out what the defense is doing. The Chiefs, though, they've been three times more productive than any other NFL team when it comes to motion because they're using it in more ways than that. And one of those ways, if you remember the Justin Watson uh, reception from the last game against the Raiders, he goes in motion down the sideline and then takes off uh, on the snap and is able to get a step on the defender down the sideline. The Chiefs completed for 67 yards. That's one creative way. You have a guy already fully going and then continuing up the field, you're going against a flat-footed defender. All of a sudden, your faster players become a step faster. You can break down the sideline. Another way really important is uh, Travis Kelsey this year has gone to be the best player in the NFL when it comes to motion. And the big thing the Chiefs do with him is they continually move him because if he gets jammed at the line, it's hard for him to get going again. You know, He doesn't have the elite speed that he once did. So a lot of times they move him, they stack him behind another receiver, and that way other teams can't just – be physical with him and stop him at the line of scrimmage. He's able to get free releases. And when he gets free releases, him and Patrick Mahomes do their sort of freelance thing. So there's other things too. There's examples in the story about how sometimes if you come in motion, you change the defender's leverage. He might be outside of you. Instead, he's now inside of you. makes completions easier. But a lot of different things that Chiefs do, it goes back to they use motion in basically everything. They started with day one of their installs in training camp. And because of that, they utilize it for plays that – uh, you know, maybe more more than most teams would do. So because they have this in their arsenal, because it's always there, they can use it in different ways that other teams have not been able to utilize it. So it goes back to Andy Reid, the coaching staff, and being able to sort of envision this thing and craft this thing from the very start to have it so that they can take advantage of some things that other NFL teams aren't. So be sure to watch guys in motion. Whenever guys going in motion, if the Chiefs throw it to that player, that's where they've been more successful than any team in the NFL, three times more successful than any team in the NFL. So uh, watch that, and if the Chiefs do complete those passes, just know a lot of the X's and O's going behind that are due to Andy Reid and the coaching staff uh, kind of scheming some things up that other teams don't do. Great story. Find it on KansasCity.com. All right, Jesse, we'll get out of here. I'll ask you two questions. Just give me the – uh, the one-word answer, uh, who wins Bills-Bengals? I will stick with the Bills in that game. I agree with you. I, I, a lot of people are, are liking, liking Cincinnati, but I just I think there's some karma here, and I think the Bills win it, and we'll get uh, Chiefs-Bills in Atlanta next week. What are the percentage chances of a Jacksonville upset of the Chiefs on Saturday? I will say 25%. Um, official predictions up at kcstar.com. This one up today. I actually like the Jags to, to cover the spread in this one. I think it's Doug, the stat from ESPN Stats and Info. Doug Peterson as an underdog in the playoffs is 6-0 and against the spread. So typically he understands the kind of underdog mindset you need to have going for it, pushing the envelope, all those sorts of things. But I still got the Chiefs prevailing 31-27 in this game. And as you know, this time of year, Blair, it doesn't really matter what it looks like in the end. As long as you advance to that next round, that's what's most important. And Chiefs going to five straight AFC Championship games, that would be quite a feat. I think it's 30-20 Chiefs, so they, they, they just get the cover. That'll do it for today. Thanks to George Howard, who produced the podcast and the broadcast. And to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Jeff Rosen, Scott Chasen, Monty Davis, and Randy Mason. Tip of the cap to Jesse Newell and Herbie Teope for sharing their insights. Morning Sports Edition was 35 pages full of coverage of the Chiefs, the NFL playoffs, the NBA, the NHL, and Missouri's thrilling victory over Arkansas in college hoops last night. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day. Oh, 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 oh